You are listening to Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast. Swung on lines the deep left field. It is gone. It went deep right. Batista's going to win goodbye. Start the fireworks show. This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 171. I am your host, Matt Lyons, and in this week's episode, we'll talk about the final rosters being set. We'll each give one bold prediction for the 2021 season, talk about the White Sox in this season, talk about the Royals coming up, and we had a poll question about which pitcher will have the lowest ERA among the AL Central pitchers. We excluded Shane Bieber for obvious reasons, just to make it fair, but we'll talk about that. And potentially, uh, this is our last episode of Let's Talk Tribe, which we'll talk about what that actually means and uh, what what that means going forward. But joining me for all that more is Mr. Merritt Rolfing. Merritt, how you doing? That's right, I'm retiring. That's right, everyone. Me, the anchor that holds this whole thing together, is retiring to Boca Raton. <laughs> it's actually going to be called Let's Go Boca Raton from now on. It's called Let's Go Rat Mouth. It's Rat Mouth Talk or something. It's a Boca Raton. <laughs> yeah, it's... Right. I'm well, though. Thanks for asking. <laughs> no problem. Um, I, I think we should just start with that. Uh, that your your well. big retirement tour that we're going on. But, it's going to be great. Um, yeah, the real reason is uh, we, we figured... So if you're listening to this podcast, if you download it in the morning, I'm assuming right away, I'm, I'm sure I, I schedule it for like three in the morning. I know people are waiting until three in the morning. They just, they just want to listen to our, our smooth voices, guide them into the morning. But um, if you're listening to this podcast early in the day, you probably haven't seen yet that uh, the website's changing. Let's Go Tribe will no longer be Let's Go Tribe after today. It's I think they're flipping the switch on SB Nation's side sometime around like three in the afternoon. So everybody listening now gets it a little earlier. Um which is kind of fun, but I, I figured we'll, we'd let people on the podcast know that a change is coming first if you want to feel special and know that the, the website's changing, obviously, since that won't be the name anymore. Uh, our very unfortunately perfectly named Let's Talk Tribe, which goes so well with the site name, will no longer work. So we're going to have to think of something with our new site name. Um, I can't quite tell you what it is yet, but you'll see uh, soon if you're listening to the podcast. If you listen late, like after work or whatever, you already know the new site. But yeah, it's kind of it's an exciting day for us um, at Let's Go Tribe or insert new site name that i can't say here but we're gonna have a new logo new website new twitter new podcast all that fun stuff and we're never going to acknowledge that the change happened so this is the only time we will do it it's just what it always was everyone it's just a it's called gaslighting and i've been reading about it a lot it seems like a great thing to do to people and i think we should do that so yeah that's actually the new name of the podcast gaslighting the, the gaslight hour where we just don't acknowledge old things write that down that's a good one I will say that while we were going back and forth with names, I still love your idea for Height Club. I don't; it doesn't work. I don't think for no. a baseball puck, but I love the idea of just having a podcast just about tall people for tall people because we're both over. I'm six eight. I don't know. I think you're like over six six or something. I'm you said four. right? I wish. It was oh, six. you are off the height. Never mind, Mary. This is bullshit. Wow. Six you, eight. You are off the height club. I thought you were taller than that, but wow. All right. I'm like well, I'm going to be solo taller. hosting a, a podcast taller. called The Height Club, where we disparage people like Merritt, who are not above six six. Oh, it's six six now. This is bullshit. <laughs> where we reach things on high shelves, we talk with our microphones up very high, and Merritt. Just you know, reach. I have I do have a long wingspan. I can pick up anything off a shelf. You can look at this. You can see me reaching. It's so high. I'm touching the ceiling now. Now I'm touching the floor without even <laughs> bending down. This is crazy. Well, there you go. Uh, but yeah, so we'll have a new name. It, it probably won't be the Height Club, especially since Merritt has betrayed me and it is not actually tall enough. You're the betrayer. You're the betrayer. <laughs> as far as on the field stuff, um, I don't think the deadline has passed where they've initially, they've officially had to say who's done what so far. But um, we've seen that Andres Jimenez impressed Terry Francona and everybody. He was pretty much the shortstop. Um, outfield's getting weird out there. Bradley Zimmer was optioned. Uh, of course, that's after Daniel Johnson and Oscar Mercado were both optioned as well. So. It is Baron out there. It is Ben Gamble and I don't know, Ahmed Rosario and sort of Jordan Luplo in the outfield. Um, we can start with position players. We'll talk about pitchers in a minute, but it's it's weird. I think everything else sort of fell into place the way we thought it would. I mean, obviously, like catcher, second base, third base, um, the corner outfield spots. Once we knew that Josh Naylor was going to be the right field, all of that was pretty much locked down and made sense as it was. Um, first base was a little weird. I, I think people got caught up in the the quote-unquote position battle of spring training and bobby bradley and jake bowers but it, it it was he jake bowers wasn't going anywhere if he didn't make the roster they were going to they'd have to dfa him because he's out of options they just weren't going to do that so i think it's always been sort of guaranteed he was going to last so but he's the first baseman now bobby bradley was option as well so we've kind of have um what we're going to be looking at at least for opening day this is not going to be a roster that 
everyone starts 162 games, but at least for opening day, we sort of have what we'll see um, in the lineup. Well, yeah, apparently there's an extra 40-man spot. So we'll find out what, what, what turns on with that uh, down the line. But, yeah, to your point, I mean, everything was kind of – outside of the Bradley Zimmer thing, which was really weird. Because the outfield now is just, as you put it, strange, I guess. Um, well, at least center field. I mean, Eddie Rosario and left makes sense. And Josh Naylor, if, if they're doing that, that makes sense in right field. But Nerve-wracking, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. Nerve-wracking and frustrating because now we're going to have a converted shortstop and a right fielder. Uh, playing center field so but like we talked about last week it's like they just don't care about outfield defense which again doesn't make any sense why they're playing putting uh ostensibly putting ben gamble out there depending on who starts on opening day um but i'm not happy about it i'm not sad about it it just is what it is i suppose Uh, i don't hate the lineup i don't love the lineup either so it's a very much a middle of the road uh, set of emotions i'm dealing with right now (laughs) and um and it's not like ben gamble is like 90 years old he's also kind of young he just hasn't been very good so i, well, I think it was just him. weird that i knew oscar mercado once he lost the job i thought it was pretty much bradley zimmer's at that point I thought they were saying like mercado lost it but zimmer at least going to give him a chance because at this point if zimmer doesn't make it this year what is he going to do like he's he has options he can be optioned back and forth but i mean after this if he couldn't make it with this team i don't see a, a, a way he sticks around anywhere he can't be like a fifth fourth outfielder pinch runner guy i get that he's fast but yeah I don't know. Maybe he can be trade bait at some point. I just don't know who would want him. Um, like we saw Adam Plutko as somebody we, he's got, I guess we talk about pitches now, but he, I mean, he's got the curveball. He was, he would have been somewhere in the, in the bullpen, but Cleveland did end up trading them him to Baltimore for just cash, which is essentially useless. If you're a fan, like it doesn't affect us. At Thanks all, dude. But. Yeah. Thanks all those cash. I don't get to have. Can I have some cash? No. Oh, all right. You know, it's, yeah, it's weird because they have that roster spot too, that they yeah. you know, hold on to him and send somebody down, but. Right, they just need an extra $180,000 or whatever the heck he costs. It's weird. There's only, um, just notice this, three former first-round picks on the um, projected 26-man roster, which, I mean, we're going to get to in a few minutes, but you look at other teams like the the Royals or, the, or especially the White Sox. I mean, they are mostly former first-round picks because it just stands for, I mean, obviously with international guys, you don't have a draft, but even with that, Bowers is a seventh-round pick. Uh, Roberto Perez, 33. Ben Gamble, 10. Uh, just very interesting where where Cleveland was able to find their talent, I suppose. It's something that just popped out to me just randomly right just now. But other than that, you know, it's... I would think that's a thing for teams who, like Cleveland, they get a lot of players who trade. Like, I assume if you're building through the draft and tanking, you probably have a lot more first-round picks. But Cleveland, they find these guys, like, I guess, Ben Gamble, sort of. But also, like, Eddie Rosario, they sign late. And I guess their pitchers they develop, but like Logan Allen, they got from San Diego, who came from Boston. They have all the relievers are pretty much all from somewhere else besides Karen Chak and... Yeah, that's the thing. Like two of the three first round picks are both guys they traded for. So it's just like, well, true, yeah. <laughs> a very interesting uh, way, way to put together a lineup. I mean, you know, it takes all kinds. It takes all, you know, comers and whatnot. But this is the one we, have to, we get to deal with. You know what? I'll say this. It doesn't make me feel as shitty as last year's opening day lineup. And I think that's that uh, two two years ago, I suppose, two, uh, 2019's lineup. The Stamets lineup, is it like? Yeah, because that was <laughs> the, the only worst. thing I think of when I think of 2019. Exactly, Eric, and the, and the other guy who also looks a lot like Eric Stamets. So the, 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 the collection of random, like uh, I don't know, just like like central casting types, they just pulled who are barely below replacement level, and they just kind of had them there for a few weeks. And that was also partially because Lindor was injured. That kind of threw a wrench in everything. Which, oh, exactly. Yeah, everything everything was um, was a miss that entire season, but. Yeah, no, so here we go. Uh, I guess this is the one we're going to go to battle with, and we'll see how it goes. Apparently, the Tribe 21 outlook is we're going to surprise you. <laughs> yeah, I just saw that it was, I think, Mandy Bell wrote that day, right? That's their – I would expect them to say nothing else. Like, if, if they aren't front runners, that's what you have to say. I'm sure the Orioles were even saying that, that we're going to surprise people because it's kind of just what you have to say. But I think Cleveland could legitimately surprise people, especially these people that feel like the Royals can beat them. Um like I've seen there some places that the Royals might be third in the AL Central. Yeah, I think stupid. Cleveland can way outpace that. But yeah, I mean, like I'm looking at like there's guys on here too that I'm just like I mean if, if I'm not feeling optimistic that day, I mean I'm pretty positive about honestly even all the way down to Jake Bowers and uh, I, th- I don't know, eventually it's going to click. I keep on telling myself Josh Naylor. I mean he hit a bomb a quarter mile the other day, so uh, more of that please. So I, I can talk myself into pretty easily, quite honestly, with you, Matt. A, an effective lineup, if not a great one, like we're going to get to it like with the White Sox theoretically. But, uh, just, you know, I mean, I think they could, they could do some things. 90 issue went 90 or so wins. Why not? Why not? Weirdly enough, it's Eddie Rosario that wasn't a huge signing for most teams, but he's the one who I think kind of 
makes the lineup more tolerable. Like if they yeah. didn't sign him, this is ridiculously bad. But just with him there, like the fact that center field and even first base can sort of be a black hole potentially either all season or just right away before Bowers and or Bradley fail and then Nolan Jones is there or whatever. But I mean, Eddie Rosario helps stretch the lineup so much because he can bat second. Um, the way Fangraphs has him now is Cesar Hernandez, Eddie Rosario, then Jose Ramirez. I mean, I think I'd like Jose second and then Eddie third, but I guess that's, it doesn't matter that much. But I mean, it's at least four decent hitters they could have. Five maybe if Josh Naylor can live up to any kind of potential. And Andres Jimenez, um, we'll get to our bullet predictions in a minute, but I think he'll be a decent enough hitter and he's down at the bottom of the lineup. So it's definitely not the worst opening day lineup that we've had. No, I I've looked recently. through some shitbag lineups. So, you know, this is. <laughs> This is um, we've lived through worse, Merritt. That's that's the real slogan for 2021 there we go. Cleveland there, baseball. Yeah. <laughs> that make us feel better about stuff. Sure, we've yeah, been through right. worse. Yeah, yeah. No, this is um, it's fine. And I, I, if they can just create a league average, at, uh, you know, offense, which and I think they can, quite honestly. Um, yeah, and all they really need is is just a, an average lineup because of what they have uh, pitching wise. I mean, even yep. um, we've seen the big, the top three are pretty much locked in, um, which we already knew that Shane Bieber. Aaron Savali, Zach, please, like in some order, are going to be the top three. It's kind of interesting that Logan Allen is the number four. They, they don't need a fifth starter for a while until uh, of, April 11th. April, so for the yeah, first couple of weeks, yeah, they're going to be using just four. Um, and what it sounds like they're doing, they told Logan Allen he's going to pitch in the fourth game of the season, which he'll either be a starter or there could be an opener, like Tristan McKenzie opening for him, which I would assume that's partially just to save McKenzie's arm specifically and also just save innings for everybody altogether because of the weirdness of last season and you're ramping up to a full mm-hmm. 62 games this year and you kind of want to save stuff but um logan allen's one of those guys who i didn't think he would be a starter coming out of spring training but he just pitched so well and um i don't think it's just because he pitched well in spring training i think they've always sort of eyed him as a starter but he did enough to to tell them that they're they're okay with it and they want to keep him as the starter he's the only lefty starter if the lefty starter as much as that matters if it does but to me, it does. As a left-handed person myself, it's nice to finally have representation. Well, you're a lefty man. and you're under 6'6", six, six, man. You know oh. what? Go to hell, <laughs> if I'm being quite honest. We're learning a whole bunch of stuff today. Uh, I've always <laughs> been very upfront about my left-handedness and also the fact that I'm tall and lanky. You know, like we can't all be we can't all be behemoths, all right? Man the size of a Goliath. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I, I think the thing you should do with Alan, too, is you just – I. I it's weird to say this, he's – he, prof- he doesn't profile as a as a relief pitcher because I don't I just don't think he has anything that's overpowering and like would you rather have a shitty uh, a guy who doesn't have any two killer pitches or a guy who can just kind of throw one of four things pretty well and I mean that's what we're gonna get out of Allen he's not exactly you know Patrick Corbin who can do anything I'm using him a good a good, a good example of a great starter lefty who also went to the pen obviously not in the playoffs but Allen is not that kind of guy I don't think also he's young as shit too I forgot he's under twenty four uh, but it's you know like you said he pitched very well in the spring I mean. As much as those those um, those at bats and stuff don't really matter, I th- it's really for hitters a lot of times. Like I think for pitchers, you can you can start making judgments. And he is one guy who I think even a couple of years ago we were kind of excited when they got him. What was it, I guess last year, two years ago? It was two years we ago. Were, he was yeah, okay. the Bauer trade, yeah. Bauer, Bauer trade, okay, yeah. Um, we were excited for for him to enter the you know the Cleveland pitching factory and see what came out the other side. And maybe we'll have something here. I get, we have the same conversation around Aaron Savale over the last couple of year, or couple months. So why not? Why not Logan Allen too? Right? I mean, this is be the first time they turned a lefty into anything since what Cliff Lee, maybe, but something like that. Yeah, I'll if, take it, baby. Yeah. If they do anything with Logan Allen, that'd be, I think, probably their biggest turnaround for a player. Because just, just looking at him, like he walked. He always walks a ton. He doesn't strike out a lot. Like his strikeout rate has gone down every level of the major, every level of the minors. And last year he was, um, I mean, in ten innings, but he, he he struck out not even six per nine. The year before that, when he was in twenty seven innings, it was still under six. So he doesn't strike out a lot of guys. Like you said, he doesn't have overpowering stuff. So if they can turn Logan Allen into like some amazing starter, like more than just yeah, I mean his projections are dog shit. Obviously, five eleven ERA. Um, what is that? Twenty one games started, one hundred eight innings. So that's what that's five innings to start. Like you know, I mean, you read about it everywhere it's just like eventually it has to run out and eventually they're going to stop being able to turn guys into something but like please actually looks great and he was a 12th round pick i mean savali looks great you know shane bieber looks great he was a fourth round pick why why not i don't know why not as i've said before until it doesn't work anymore i'm just going to keep on giving them the better the doubt and it seems like of all people for it not to work on it's going to be either one of cal quantrill or tristan mckenzie maybe just because i don't know maybe it won't and those guys are first round picks which would be kind of funny it could with McKenzie. It feels like it could just be that it just can't because a sheer of his body physicality type. thing. Yeah, yeah, like it doesn't matter how much they 
because I mean they've built him up with the tools and everything. He's got a he's got a good changeup. He's got a good fastball. But if he just can't keep the velocity up and is he just can't stay healthy, then it doesn't matter what they do for him. But I think Cal Quantrill, especially, he's a guy who I still think he's going to finish with more starts and inning pitch than Logan Allen. I know he's starting in the bullpen, but I think. I still think Cleveland thinks pretty highly of him. Just looking at his stuff and his, his slider sinker ball combo, I think he can be good, especially with their infield defense they have. If they brought Cesar Hernandez back. They're going to have infinity in middle infield. Yes. Like if he can get ground balls more than he has in the major so far, I think he can be somebody who sticks around as a starter for Cleveland. Obviously not like a, a one, two, three guy, but they don't need that. It's just another back of the end guy. I think it'd be better than Logan Allen at some point. And I mean, my dream rotation is still to have, Bieber, please Zach Savali, and then Mackenzie Quantra. But I'm sort of slowly drifting away from thinking of Mackenzie as a permanent starter. I'd love him to be one, but I just don't know if, if this is going to be the year where we find out. I think if he can be, like if they, oh yeah, I mean, they're, even they're if they the start chance. him slow, yeah, as long as they give him the chance, like halfway through the season, and let him keep getting the innings. If he proves he can do it, then you're good to go. But if not, then I think we have an issue going forward. But I mean, he's going to get minimum ten starts, and I think it won't be just spot starts. I think they're going to give him a run there. But if he just you know falls off over the course of a month or so, then I think that'll just tell us a good story. But again, he's also you know not super old. He's only twenty three. I don't. I don't know. I mean, that's that's the thing too. You look at guys who are built like him who do hold on to velocity in the seventh eighth innings and. Uh, win Cy Young awards too, so I don't know. It's just it's a weird thing. Maybe again, maybe it's just because he's too young right now. Twenty three. What was I doing when I was twenty three? Garbage. Lots of garbage. So you know, <laughs> basically, yeah, I wasn't throwing ninety seven miles an hour, so I well, can't judge what I mean, Tristan Katz is doing. I'll say I was just about close. there. You know, I yeah, was in the know, lower nineties. I, I wasn't quite up to. Well, you know, Chris Sale wasn't a full time starter until he was twenty three. So all I'm saying here <laughs> is that he's going to be next Chris Sale. So there you go. There you go. Keep I, the scissors away from him. Well, I mean, I don't know. It depends on if the uniform forms are shitty or not. That's that's, that's what's important here. <laughs> so, Mayor, let's get to our always the best part of before every season is making any kind of prediction going forward because we're always so right at it. Um, like today, I sent out for everybody in the staff to do their staff predictions for the season. So, I figured we can do a shorter version of that, which is jumping over all that boring um, divisional winners, whatever that stuff is. Just make a Trash. bold, weird ass, wild prediction. Um, we'll just, it's sort of our our meatball ish for the preview. Mm, uh, just what's your one bold prediction for for 2021 cleveland baseball oh for the baseball team oh shit i thought we were doing something else entirely <laughs> oh man i was gonna say i was gonna learn how to make french bread um i think jake bowers is gonna hit 25 home runs oh my god <laughs> is that like every pitch he swings at he just manages to hit a Shut thousand <laughs> I think he's going to have a good year. I don't know why I think this, but maybe it's because I'm stupid. But, again, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and just quit on him. Uh, they gave him the job for a reason. So I can't figure that, I figure that one out one yet. But um, I had a Josh Naylor one, too, but I think he's just going to be good. I don't even want to, like, go crazy on that one. I, th- I think he's going to be an effective player as well. But I think Jake Bowers will be bold prediction, positive influence on the offense. Positive, positive, positive. <laughs> I didn't realize he hit 12 home runs in 2019. He was. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't a good hitter, but I mean, he no. did that, and he he walked at least double digits. So, sure, I could see. I mean, you look at his projections, and like, there's a hundred point difference between their projected average for him and their projected OBP for him. Uh, and I mean, if he can just start getting a few more hits, and I've been saying this for like two years now, but if he can, I think he can turn into an effective player. Um, I didn't hate every bat I saw out of him um, this spring. I didn't love every bat either, but. Yeah, there you go. Twenty five ding dongs. <laughs> There's very few players who like you watch and you feel like you can tell them what to do, but he just watches so many strike threes go by that just wanted to swing. I, maybe he does that like if something, if it's just a confidence thing and he gets it quickly through the season, then sure, why not? I, I mean, pitch recognition. I don't know. You know, it's, it could just be one of those things where he just he's not seeing what he thought, or he's not seeing the ball correctly. Maybe he needs corrective laser surgery or something or glasses maybe it's like a you know a, that, that sort of situation he, but he doesn't want to look like a nerd so he doesn't know what to do it's it's tough i i, I wear glasses and i don't look like a nerd man really uh, cool. yeah anyway well so what's your bold <laughs> prediction man <laughs> so mine i don't a, have this is contentious today <laughs> really <laughs> just, throats. short people are feisty man i don't get it it's just because you're six six you gotta be so can't hear you from up there. <laughs> What's that? Get your head out of the clouds. Um, so mine isn't exactly um, rooted in in fact or what's going to happen, but my bold <laughs> prediction is that 
Andres Jimenez finishes with a higher war than Francisco Lindor this year. Which... Fucking, whoa. <laughs> I thought I was being bold but stupid. But all right, man. Yeah, let's spin that wheel. So I think the reasons for that, I got some reasons. I don't think it's it's exactly a thing that's going to happen. But if it did, I think it happens because, one, Andres Jimenez is going to play every single day. I don't think there's another shortstop that plays for Cleveland this year. They did it with, I mean, Lindor came pretty close for a couple of years. And if, if Jimenez is a good enough defender and can at least be an average bat, I think he's there for like 150, 159, 156, or 160 games, somewhere in there. Like, I think he plays a ton this year. He's also a fast guy, so I think he's going to get on base and be a good base runner. I think he's going to be obviously awesome on defense. His projections agree with that, too. The biggest thing is his bat, which, I mean, there's nothing looking at him, a stat cast that says he's going to maintain 104 WRC plus, but why not? I'm going to say somehow um, he's super confident in Cleveland. He's happy where he is. Um, He finishes really well. And then over there in New York, Francisco Lindor doesn't get a contract extension signed. Um, Last year with that looming over him, he was only 102 WRC plus player. I mean, there were... You know, other things looming over 2020, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to assume part of it was um, maybe Lindor pressing because of the contract. Um, we saw in Cleveland, he didn't do well under high-pressure situations. Chalk that up, whatever you want, but there's going to be a lot more of him in New York. Maybe he just doesn't hit as well over there. Like he is, even his projection is like 114 WRC+. plus. That's something if maybe Andres Jimenez way overperforms him and Lindor way underperforms his, and then they're almost even. Maybe Lindor is probably better on defense, but... I don't know. This is one where it's just I'm I'm going super bold and super optimistic to say that it, yeah, it's just Jesus spring training. There, it's I can't be anything but overly optimistic right now. With there you go. Three days you know ago before opening day. So I believe in you. There you go. That's fair. Okay. Yeah, and I'm I'm not going to wish for an injury, but maybe who knows? Lindor has played a ton of games every year. He was injured in 2019, but maybe he's as an old man at 27 years old. Maybe an injury hits him, <laughs> um, and then Jimenez plays a lot more games and gets more uh, more that way. So. Those good Francisco. counting stats, Merritt, they're good for that. For Francisco Lindor is going to be worth seven wins this year. <laughs> <laughs> then Andres Jimenez will be worth nine. Whatever. Fight me. Fine, He's gonna fuck be it. Yeah. MVP. MV Jimenez. There yeah. you go. <laughs> That's what we'll call him. MV Jimenez. MV Jimenez. M- no, that doesn't make any sense. We'll figure it out. We'll, we'll work it. We'll, we'll yeah. put it in post. We'll, We've got a lot to work we'll on it. this one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's my bold one. It was. Maybe. I even wrote today. I did the um like strength strengths and weaknesses of the roster. I said Jimenez is a strength and I don't think they take. I mean, they took a huge step back. Obviously, because Francisco Lindor is amazing. But <laughs> it's. I think they got somebody who can be their their fill in guy for now. No, I mean, stop, which is what they want. I do agree. With you. I, I. I mean, I'm not gonna say it's sitting here and say he's gonna be a five win player this year, but. I think he's going to be, you know, a three six at least. Yeah. 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 Six, I'm not going to say five. Nine, ten. Yeah. It's a good number. 14. I don't know. What, what did Babe Ruth have in 1927? I think three or four is realistic. I, I'm, I'm combining it with a Lindor down year. Um, is my, right. I don't think he's going to outperform. Like if Lindor peaks, it continues to peak, then he doesn't pass him. But I'm part of my bullet predictions that Lindor has a down year while Jimenez has a great year. And they yeah, kind of collide into 25 dingers from a guy who's never shown any real power was, was crazy. But <laughs> Here I am, looking like the same <laughs> one here. I don't like I don't like how this feels. Um, so yeah, we'll we we got two more. Um, obviously, with the regular season in like three days, we we're wrapping up our AL Central preview. Um, this week we got. I think this is the two more interesting ones. The Twins are obviously the better team among like the Royals and Tigers, but I think uh, splitting up into to a good team and a bad team. I think we got the more interesting ones this time: the White Sox and Royals. Um, the White Sox just because of. This is finally a team coming out of a long rebuild. They're, they're what the Royals and Tigers are aspiring to be at this point. Um, they haven't won the AL Central since 2012. Or no, they haven't been. They haven't finished better than the third since 2012. They last won the division in 2008. They got out to a really great start last year. They were best in the AL through 48 games. And then they went 3-9 and nine in the last 12 and finished third in the AL Central, which these numbers are always going to be wild to me. That 60 games is such a weird thing. Like, yeah. That's a blip any other time. But this year, that was their whole story. They were... The best team in baseball through 48 games, 12 games, sunk their season and made them into the wild card where they were swept by the A's. This is a long rebuild that's finally ending. Uh, last year, of course, we saw that it was it, it finally did come basically to a close. Uh, they're, they're, they they got it through the draft. They traded. They got Elo Jimenez and Yon Mankata at some different points. They also, of course, traded Fernando Tatis Jr. for James Shields, which was probably the worst thing about the rebuild coming out. But they've come out of it pretty well. They have Luis Robert, who, according to that, MLB radio network ad is constantly telling me that he's gonna be the next Mike Trout so I'm glad to keep hearing oh, that every right. single day I haven't heard that in a while huh which I mean it's true he was super good last year I think he's gonna be good this year I'm not too concerned about his drop off at the end but I mean um, he fell off a cliff if we're being he honest he absolutely collapsed towards the end I mean you look at his you look at where he was for the full year last year it was 
you know, fine, but he was on pace for just an absolutely insane season. Like, yeah, not everybody can be a, a great rookie like Tyler Naquin, you know. I was you know, year, so. <laughs> well put, Matthew. Well yeah, yeah. put indeed. Yeah. Um, yeah, they'll be an interesting offensive team. They did acquire Lance Lynn and Liam Hendricks this year. Uh, they lost Alex Colomay, which was a weird one that they lost him and then signed Liam Hendricks. So, but yeah, I think they'll be a decent team. They don't have Edwin Encarnacion, but he was bad last year anyway. They lost a handful of relievers. They're mostly the same team they had last year with. Obviously, Luis Robert, hopefully not tanking, but also um, Eloy Jimenez, who should not be a left fielder probably at this point. Um, he injured himself going over a wall. He could have, like, I think, like, stretched his arm over the wall and injured himself that way. So he's out five to six months. Too strong. Too damn strong. They're going to bring but in that, Andrew Vaughn, who has yeah, a little bit of a high A to be their left fielder, which is wild. Well, I was going to say, he's the he's number one uh, prospect. He has a, his bat, apparently, his bat will play in some way. I guess he just like Jimenez, he cannot play the field, unfortunately. They have this massive bat backlog of. Uh, all bat, no glove, dudes. But I, was, I guess when you have uh, Luis Robert in center field, it doesn't really matter who you put in the corners at this point. Case in point, they're going to try and put um, Adam Eaton in, in the field. corner. So. <laughs> it's going to be an ugly outfield. But yeah, it's gonna I be mean, the same as the Twins, right? I think you even said the same thing last year. They have this string, or last week, they have a string of guys who can't play defense, but they beat the hell out of the ball in the outfield. And with to their point, to your point with that outfield, of course, what's his name is also a good outfielder, the right fielder, um, the, the villain. Uh, this, Baron Von Max Kepler. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out when the rebuild. Just as you mentioned, is like when the rebuild effectively started with this team, because like Jose Abreu, they signed in October 2013, obviously, and then they traded for Moncada in 2016. Uh, they signed uh, Louis by 2016. They're already deep into it, right? Like they were already a terrible team. Yeah, but they were a terrible team in 2013 as well, kind of. Like they were always, they, they were just kind of shitty for a long time because they're trying to do the stars and scrubs thing. But then they were just very, very bad because, you know, like Nick Madrigal was a fourth overall pick. They drafted third overall in 2019. Uh, that's when they got Andrew Vaughn. Uh, they got Zach Collins even with the tenth pick in 2016. So yeah, they were always they, they were just kind of shitty for a long. They didn't they didn't go to the depths. I don't think is what it was. Uh, that like the. Um, you know, like the Astros did or something like that. Did they even lose 100 games at any point? I don't remember if they did or not. They just, I don't they, think so. They were, just, they were always kind of, I mean, I guess if, if, you was, if, you, if you're drafting fourth or third overall, you probably did. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> uh, they were, yeah, they did once. So in the last, wow, in the last, so since 1948, they've lost 100 games twice, it looks like. Cleveland's like that too, is the thing. Like When they quote unquote rebuilt after the, the Sizemore era, they just kind of swung down a bit and then came right back. It's just... The White Sox, I guess, select out a few draft picks. I mean, you got guys like Madrigal, who's I, I find a joy to watch. Honestly, he's just going to just beat you to death with singles. You got guys like uh, uh, Robert, obviously, who's just an absolute mutant. Uh, the, Tim Anderson, we didn't even bring him up. He was, he was a first round pick back in twenty thirteen. There's just so many guys in this, and I, it's so hard to for me to convince myself that they're definitely the front runners in any kind of division because Tim Anderson's so Babbitt heavy, and so is like Yohan Mankata. And Nick Madrigal as well. But the fact is, like, Nick Madrigal doesn't have any batted ball profile at all. It's everywhere. And Tim Anderson hits the ball very hard on a line all the time. And um, Yo Makata, same thing. And Louis Robert is Louis Robert is strong as an ox. So I mean, they're going to produce offensively, even, even losing, um, well, what's his name? Uh, Eli Menez. But it is exciting to see them bringing Andrew Vaughn already. Like, it's. I don't know. This is the exciting part of a rebuild, right? Where they're like, all, all the fun and shine is still on, and they still have the fun old dude and uh, Jose Abreu, and also Yasmani Grandal who continues to be underrated. And Oh, yeah, I forgot then, about Grandal. He's yeah, and, and then they have a bullpen that just throws 10 million miles an hour. All of them. <laughs> they're all just freaks of nature. Like, Liam Hendricks is, like, one of the – he has, like, one of the least good arms in the bullpen somehow. It's absolutely insane. Guys like Garrett Crochet and Cody Huyer. Uh, that was butchered. That. that was good. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> but they just throw so hard, and they, they just have Liam Hendricks backing everything up. Like the fact that Garrett Crochet can just come out at any time and just gas you for 104 miles an hour, whatever the hell it is. They're a troubling team to look at. I just you wonder if they are a year before, year early. I don't know. I mean, you look at the rotation too, though. Julio Keiko, Lynn, Cease, Rodon. It definitely falls off a cliff after uh, Lynn, I guess. I mean, Michael Kopech, too, if he comes back. I mean, he's not pitching like two years, but if he comes yeah. back and is a star, I think they're starting him in the bullpen, but I assume I at you, some point he's got to make his way back to the rotation. Dylan Cease is the kind of guy who, like, in, in at the height of Cleveland bringing in random pitchers and turning them into gold, I was like, get, get him somehow. Like, I'm just seeing him the last couple of years. I'm like, God damn, he throws so fucking hard. <laughs> like, 
Wow. And I just, his only problem is just, it seems like it was like location and like just could any kind of control at all. But it seems like every time he pitches it, he just strikes everyone out for the first four innings and gives up like seven runs in the fifth. And I don't know, Lance Lynn's another one where he's, he's, I don't know, he's built like a softball player and he keeps on getting outs constantly without, like without fail. It's very strange, very strange pitcher to watch. I love pitches like that, though. Like like him and, I guess, Bartolo Colon, you can count. Like Mark Burley was another one who's just this big dude. He just looks like he just carries, barrel, carries barrels for a life or for a living. Like, you I can tell he's fit. Short. They're obviously athletes, but they're like just big know, barrel-chested man. dudes who just throw the ball and there's sweat some, a lot. There's some pictures of Lance Lynn where he is just moist. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that guy looks like he is too hot. I, again, it was in Texas, so it's just it was 104 degrees on the field. Uh, but then, like, Dallas Keuchel, I've hated ever since he was uh, he went to Cy Young just because the damn sinker would always just dot the corner. Just, dude. dude oh, yeah, he's infuriating to watch dude. and play against. Because even when you get contact, he's just on the ground. Ugh, goddamn. Um, and then Giolito, who is uh, overrated. Uh, <laughs> First of all, <laughs> Keuchel, if he's, he's good again, it's going to be um, – it's not a terrible rotation. I think it's it, – Oh, no, it's – it I mean, better I, than the Twins, maybe? I, I think Lucas Giolito is very much not overrated and actually very good and probably well, going to win the Cy Young. I think he's good. I just don't think he's – I don't think he's a Cy Young caliber pitcher. I'll, I'll be quite honest with you. I know he eats Cleveland alive. But <laughs> then, like – It's change-ups. It's infuriating. <laughs> I just <laughs> – I don't know how Ty Van Berkel had his job after that interview. Like halfway through the interview, I would have just fired him. Like, <laughs> wait a minute, what did you just say? All change? you're fired. Like, I don't even exist. Oh no! Like, how does a pitcher just say that, and you're just fine with what you have going out there? Like, nobody adjusts to a changeup, and if he knows it and he's doing it, obviously, I think somebody in Cleveland has to notice that. <laughs> just throwing changeup and nobody can hit him, um, and it's working that well. Like at that point, he's just throwing slow pitches. <laughs> Nobody can touch him, but but like I don't think he's the seventh best pitcher in baseball or in the American League. Yeah, he's the fifth. So what? <laughs> no, he's up there though. He's so good. He's... I I think he's very good. I just don't think he's as good as Shane Bieber. I think he's a step behind Shane Bieber or Jacob Degrom or uh, what's his name over in New York City. Corey um, no, I'd say he's probably <laughs> as good as Corey Kluber is. You mean Garrett Cole? Garrett Cole, yeah. Uh, I, I I could find a I could find you a list of fifteen pitchers who I think are better, which is not to say he's bad. If you're one of the fifteen best pitchers in the, in the world, you're a goddamn superstar god. I just I it's, it seems like if I were to extract his starts against Cleveland, his ERA <laughs> would go up by half a run. Like I swear <laughs> to God, it would probably. But I mean, <laughs> still got to count it somewhere. I think right. But well, I mean, I agree with you. It's I mean, you know, I mean, I could say the same thing about lots of guys. But like, I don't know. I, he, he was good last year, but not like stupendous. I don't, I don't know. I don't think. I think Zip maybe I'm a moron again. Maybe I'm just maybe I'm just looking at it through a certain kind of glasses. But like moron glasses, moron glasses, <laughs> moron colored glasses. I got these idiot colored glasses on over here. I, Zips loves him. I didn't think they were. I mean, they're yeah, they're three like, ERA. That's a little. Whew, like, I like, that's the thing. Like Zips is really into him, and like it's the strikeouts. Steam, I guess, but I guess, but like everything, like Steamer, not so much. Uh, I fuck it. I have it right here anyway, so I'm just gonna look in the baseball perspectives annual. Maybe I wonder if he has the diff- the biggest difference between Steamer and Zips. I wonder if it's because right? Steamer, because the only thing I can see really is that Steamer includes ground balls, and they also think it'll be worse, hell of worse bat block than Zips thinks. Who That's really the only Let's see, full season they give him. Let's see how many wins is what we really care about. You look at Pakota, right? <laughs> Yeah, Pakota. Yeah, look. Can you uh, can you find grit? Is grit projected, man? Uh, yeah, here it is. Zero grit. Oh no! Uh, they gave him a three fifty four ERA with two point five warp. So like right in the middle, then. Um. Yeah. I mean, he it, again. They call him a very good pitcher. Comps are Jose Barrios, Tyre Molly, and Taiwan Walker. So you know, I I you know what? I like that one. I like the comp of him being like Jose Barrios, who again is a very good pitcher. It's just he was always looked like a guy who was on an ascent and then he kind of peaked. If all he throws is a goddamn changeup, eventually someone's gonna catch on. <laughs> someone's gonna watch that video and go, "Hold on a minute!" Like the Wait fact that, like, it's a, the fact that it's a high changeup too. Like, I, <laughs> right. I'm just like, but that's the one that's supposed to go the furthest. I learned from video games. No, <laughs> I, I do think it'll be somewhere like between Zips and and uh, Bakota. Not as bad as Steamer, and maybe not even as good as Zips has him. Like, it's almost a six war player, which is. A crazy projection just based on how conservative. That is a wild projection. Like, 
I, I think he'll be, yeah. I mean, I'm sure he can, he'll replicate his 2019 as an, as an ace type season, 170. I mean, he'll probably get more because he'll throw out 200 innings or something like that. So we're, we're, we're back up like five and a half wins, which again, would be fantastic, but not quite like, man, not quite sight on caliber, I guess. You know what is also not uh, quite fantastic is the Kansas City Royals merit. What? <laughs> is, uh, Still? They're not, they're not going to be fantastic. They are, um, like I said, they're, they're not as long, obviously, as the the White Sox rebuild is, but I think they, at first, they went down way harder than I they think. They just won a championship like two years ago, I thought. It's well, like... I mean, 2050, it's, it's yeah. time goes fast, but um, they they sort of stretched out a little more than they probably should have in 2016. As a result, they kind of nosedived like two years there, but now they've kind of just, they've, they've refused to completely tank, which I think is admirable in a way. I don't know. So we sort of said last week, we started talking about it, and we were going to save it, but my general opinion of the Royals is that I'm glad my team doesn't operate like that. I think Cleveland does. Cleveland's basically doing what they do, but better, like not tanking, um, mm-hmm. which is exactly Cleveland's whole plan. The, the The frustration with Cleveland is that they don't also add free agents, but the Royals are just trying to do the same thing, just in a worse way. But the fact that they're trying it, I think is good for baseball overall. Like they're signing these guys like Carlos Santana. They're acquiring Andrew Benintendi. We need these teams doing different things. Like I want more teams. They are what Rob Manfred wants you to believe every team does. Like if they're on an outside chance that they're going to go out and just grab these big free agents and make the last tiny jump to get into the playoffs. But that's not what happens. It's teams are more like Cleveland where they are a playoff team or pretty close. And what they're going to do is trim down to do the least amount of they can spend the least amount of money they can to get in the playoffs, which is sort of what the opposite of the Royals are doing, which is kind of it's admirable in its own weird way. I don't think it's a way to necessarily win. I don't know if this is going to lead into a world series or even a winning season, but the fact that they went out and got Carlos Santana, when they could have just added a bunch of non roster guys, they could have got this Jake Bowers guy from Cleveland. When he gets DFA, they could just waited for that, but they went out and signed Santana like right away in the off season when we mm-hmm. didn't know what the market was going to be. So they weren't just like waiting to see who was cheaper, which again, maybe it would have been smarter to do that and get a deal on a first baseman instead of Santana. But they, they just got their guy and they're trying to do their thing They're They don't want to completely tank and getting Andrew Benintendi was also really interesting. It's yeah. Again, it's just because of what they are. I don't know if it's, they did it for the smart reason that maybe he can bounce back and they have him control or just, they just saw this guy that was out there and available and he's, they know him. So they wanted him and they wanted to bring him in. It's, it's hard to tell with the Royals what they're actually doing, which is again, kind of fun because every other team operates essentially the same way. Either they have, it's, they're all with the same mindset, just with more or less money at this point, which is kind of boring to watch. But the Royals are their own weird little thing out there. The the majority, I think, at this point of baseball teams are owned by private equity guys, it seems like, right? Or that that's sort of a person, right? Finance types, right? Who, to your point, want to carve everything down to the rawest efficiencies so they can get the they can maximize the return while minimizing the the cost i suppose right that makes sense yeah. right oh it's, they're just min maxing everything yeah right exactly john sherman who owns the royals now is an, is an energy guy so he's from a, he's a different breed of businessman he's a i don't think he's quite an oil man per se which would be too bad i, I would love a good oil man uh but i'm wondering if that has something to do with it where he's uh you know being an energy guy he's big big into splashy purchases and flashing and dashing and so that's why he wants to do this. He wants things to happen now. He doesn't want to sit and hope for things in the future. I don't know. Uh, he just wants things to go boom for him. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> and having like Dayton Moore is the perfect combination for him because if he had like a Chris Antonetti, I- I'm assuming like Antonetti could convince him that he can do it cheaper. Like mm-hmm. he knows how Antonetti can do it and like building up your farm system, which is way cheaper than getting Carlos Santana as a 35 year old. But I do think that if you gave Chris Antonetti money, and we have an example of this in oh, the Dodgers, yeah, in the Dodgers, where they gave what's his name money, and he created a fucking Death Star. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, it, it, everybody likes to say that you just have money and you win, but then there's also the Phillies who have a ton have of money, money and don't win, and exactly. I mean, the Padres to this point, they've spent a bunch of money and they still might not win. It doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be great because they've just been kind of. Yeah. They're still the second best players. team in their own division. Right. So, you yeah. Know. So <laughs> because of the um, aforementioned death star. So, you know, <laughs> maybe you've heard of it. The death star. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen it over there? I will be honest with you. I, I, I think this Royal scheme is going to be really irritating all year. They're back to their old ways. You know what I mean? Like you look at the lineup and I don't hate it, I guess. Partly because I think Andrew Benintendi is better than he actually is. I think he, I think he made a lot of hay hitting balls off the wall in, um, what do you call it, in, in Boston, and now that he's hitting in the largest outfield in all of baseball, it's going to be a bit different for him. 
I imagine Alberto Mondesi to be a, to be a better player than he actually has ever demonstrated, uh, just because his physical tools are so cool still, and he's still 25. So you know, uh, I run with Carlos Santana. Salvador Perez is, uh, you know, the oldest 30, 30 year old on earth. Uh, Jorge Soler is strong as shit. Hunter Dozier in a video game once they hit 45 home runs with him in a season. So in, in my head, he's better than he actually is. <laughs> but it's all these guys who I'm like, oh, yeah, these guys are pretty good. And then I look at their stats, I'm like, these guys aren't very good at all. But they're, they're, they're pesky, I guess. Which, anyway. that, that feels like how the Royals are building their team, too. It's like all these guys, oh, they look good. Let's just get them. Fuck them. Yeah, get them well, in. That, that, you know what? It's, to, to your point earlier, right? it's, it's definitely the build of a team from like 20 years ago, right? This is yeah, very oh, much yeah. like a, a, an early 2000s, 90s. Uh, you know what? I'll even go so far as to say this is a very 1980s sort of a team where like, Nothing here tells a story of like looking at anything advanced. Like they like Carlos Santana because well, look how much he, how well he hit against us. Let's get him. Um, Salvador Perez, they love him not because of anything advanced, but because he's the size of a barn. And, <laughs> and that's very, and that's know. a loyalty thing too. Is another that's another yeah. like '80s thing. They're they're loyal to him. Alex exactly. Gordon, they kept forever, even though he was just gone awful for six years. I mean, Whit Merrifield wins batting titles. Andrew Benintendi looks like he should win batting titles. And he's like, oh, we got him from Boston. He's the next Dustin Pedroia. Look at him over there. Uh, Mondesi, again, fast as hell. Michael Solaire, A. Taylor strong has a shit. very baseball name. Yeah, Michael A. Taylor. Yeah, him. Look at him. He, you know what? He won a championship. And so we need to get that championship mentality. Same thing with Benintendi. Uh, and then you look at their rotation, which is just dog shit. And so it's, you know, very much a, a bunch of sinker ballers. <laughs> <And> just, <laughs> Honestly, I respect this team. I respect this team more than any other team in the entire division, including Cleveland, because they're doing something. What it is is bad, but it's <laughs> it's, it's it's neat at the least. And you know what it could be? In all honesty, Matt, is a stealth tank. The bolt I mean, this rotation is really bad. Like it's the best pitcher might be I mean, I guess they're hoping that Brady Singer finally turns into something. He was a first round pick. Mike Miner they have two first round picks in the starting rotation. Mike Miner isn't very is gonna probably gonna fall apart again. Brad Keller, I I don't know. He was he's only twenty five. I swear to God, he's thirty seven years old. <laughs> he's been around uh, forever. It just seems like yeah. Danny, the fact that Danny Duffy's thirty two blows my mind. I swear he's still twenty two years old. So it's a very strange thing for me there. And then you look at the at the bullpen, and it's like what? So <laughs> not good know. is I think the way it would be described. Like, I think this team could be a lot of fun to watch, and so they'll get butts in seats, and then they'll just lose every single game, like. You know, seven to four or something like that. Five, you know, five to six, five to three, and things like that. It's very much a throwback team, and not in any positive way. But yeah, good for them. I love it. Honestly, it's a very cool little team, and it's uh, it's cute. Uh, they, uh, you know, you'll get their top prospects, and there's nothing interesting coming down the pike anytime soon. So, yeah, this is what we get to deal with, and that's why I think this might be a kind of a stealth tank here. And they could pull it off, quite honestly. I, this might be final year it happens where they trade with Merrifield. Although at this point, he's 32. So. Yeah, I'm off that. Get him a Cleveland train that goes on. Well, guess what? Right. Now is when it's going to happen. <laughs> exactly dude. right. It's happening now. He's going to play second base for them next year after they get rid of Cesar Hernandez. It's happening. They're going to trade for Cesar Hernandez because they're like, oh, that guy's a pretty good 1980s baseball type. Let's, he gets a lot of doubles. Let's get him. <laughs> oh, he's <laughs> very much a Royals guy. Same, be, it's a Hernandez. perfect one-to-one trade over there. Wait, you, what do you mean expiring contract? Ah, oh, crap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this it's it's not going to be a good team, but it'll be. I also wouldn't be surprised if they turn out to be like, uh, if this somehow fucking works and they're not a terrible team. Like, I don't think they're going to pass Cleveland by any means, but if it's a closer lace race than what is comfortable and they're extremely annoying all year long, and and like Brad Keller is, I mean, he was he was bad last year, but uh, or no, he was really good last year, and I think it could be better than his projections are this year. So I don't know. There's there's some stuff there they could do and not be terrible, and, and even if this is a stealth build, like stealth tank. They still sign Carlos Santana for a bunch of money, and I will always love a team that does that. Oh, 100%. Carlos Santana. <laughs> like, no, it's totally cool. Yeah, I mean. The, baseball needs somebody to pick up these players like him who are these aging guys who can still be good um, and do something for somebody because he probably necessarily wouldn't start for um, like a team with World Series aspirations, and most teams that are tanking aren't going to pay him what he's worth. So he's he's one of those guys these past couple off seasons who've been stuck in the middle. I feel like there weren't as many of them this year. I don't know if there just weren't that many same type of players or teams are more willing to um get these guys but i think we're kind of coming down to the side of the hill of ruthless efficiency like there is some teams that are starting to realize a little bit like it's all right to overspend a tiny bit <laughs> like maybe you can you know get a good guy once in a while if he's not if you have to overpay for him a little bit but uh, 
it just really there were less guys caught in the middle this year, which I think is good. And Santana was one of those guys where, like two years ago, he probably still wouldn't be signed because he'd want eight million dollars a year and he wouldn't get it, and then we'd just be sitting and waiting. But thanks to the Royals, he got the contract this year, and they're still not going to be good, which is good for me as a fan of Cleveland and watching the Royals because when they were good, they were the most annoying team by far. Just because once again, yeah, their slappy hits, their bullpen, it was a miserable experience to watch, but. Um, I'm glad they exist is, is basically the gist of it. I don't want them to be my team. I'm glad. Um, I always feel the need to um, caveat when I'm complimenting the Royals that it's not like a slight against Cleveland that I wish Cleveland was doing this and signing these guys who probably aren't good and giving a bunch of money. I'm glad a team is doing it. I'm glad Cleveland is smarter about how they avoid tanking. I just wish Cleveland would do the next step, which is to pay money to somebody who is better like George Springer or something. But in, in lieu of that, I'm glad the Royals are existing and doing this weird shit that they're doing. So, so they they had a 4.33 winning percentage last year, uh, which is 70 wins. And in my head, I was like, these guys probably top out about 75 wins. Because have they done anything to get better than last year? I don't think so, really. Uh, their bullpen's gotten a little bit older, I guess. Um, they don't have any. <laughs> God damn. Oof. Uh, but again, got to respect them. And to, to your point about Carlos Santana, too, you know, it's like. My dad always complains about, well, he doesn't complain about the DH. He doesn't mind the DH. But he's like, when the DH came in, it was, it was a, a chance for older dudes who everyone loved to continue to play without playing the position. Then we started getting young DHs. And now we don't have a place for these guys like Carl Santana quite so much anymore. So they all just like go overseas or whatever and play there. It sucks. But, yeah, like you said, Carl Santana's there now. And, I mean, will he continue to beat the hell? It's, it's one of those things where was he hitting well at Kauffman Stadium because he liked hitting at Kauffman Stadium, or was it because he was because you're facing the Royals? It's one of those one of those situations, and it's it's hard to tell, quite honestly. We, we'll really find out this year when he's facing Shane Bieber in, in Kauffman Stadium. So yeah, some of the the pitchers that we'll be facing is uh, some from our poll today because on every Monday we ask everybody on Twitter, um, sort of just so, try to get like similar ish answers. I struggled to find a pitcher because I didn't want to do more than one. Um, on a team, the question was which of these AL Central pitchers have the lowest ERA. I did Zach Plesac, Lucas Giolito, Kenta Maeda, and Matthew Boyd with a question mark because I I don't know what Tigers pitcher do you put in that group? What Royals pitcher do you put in that group? There really isn't one. Um, we omitted Shane Bieber because I think he'd win by a mile because one, it's we're a Cleveland slate, and two, I think he's the best pitcher by a mile. But I think this is a decent group: the Plesac, Giolito, Maeda, at least, and then your chaos vote for Matthew Boyd (laughs) (laughs) might be the only one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Lucas Giolito won with 38% of the vote. Um, Kenta Maeda was second with 34 and Zach Plezak was third with 25. That might be a perception thing because Giolito and Maeda are their staff aces and Plezak is just the second or third guy, but I can see Plezak maybe beating out one of them. I I don't think this order is bad or wrong necessarily because I think Giolito and Maeda are really good, but I could see Plezak beating out Maeda or if Giolito is, on the lower end of his projection spectrum, maybe he can maybe please X better than all these guys, but I think he's going to be better than Matthew Boyd, at least <laughs> I would hope. I mean, so like I was looking at, I hate to circle back about my comments earlier with Lucas Giolito, but in 2019, him and Shane Bieber were like a coin flip of a pitcher, like either or right. And Shane Bieber just made a jump. And I, I haven't read anything anywhere saying Giolito has made a similar adjustment or leap in his own repertoire uh, as far as adding pitches and things like that. So, no, his big change was before 2019 when he did the arm angle change. So I think right, his, exactly. his big so, shift is already done. I don't imagine so he makes another huge I mean, jump. Exactly, which I mean, again, he's still going to be a five-and-a-half-win pitcher. As far as ERA, though, I think it'll probably be probably be Maeda just because, I, I'll be honest with you, um, the defense, I think, on the Twins is better just in terms of infield defense specifically. Oh, yeah, that's a good Tim point. Anderson, Yohan Moncada, who's our third baseman now? Oh, Yohan Moncada's right, I think Madrigal. Uh, I don't know. I, I just I think defensively that he'll he'll benefit some. Plus, he plays in a bigger park. Like ERA is such a thing that's impacted. Matt, of course, asked a silly question because he he involved <laughs> he used a broken old stat we don't care about anymore. His stats nerds, everyone <laughs> should have uh, done wins and grit. Yeah, should have done yeah, should have wins and G R I T small I <laughs> X grit. And and that's the thing about um, Maeda though is too, he quite he had quite an outlier year last year. I mean his ERA was fully what a run lower than his career average. Uh, he never had an ERA lower than three forty eight prior to that, and that was in twenty sixteen when he was twenty eight years old. It's it's hard to lean away from him just because of his track record, but at the same time, Giolito is. I mean, you can lock him in for like a 340 ERA probably. It's with Maeda. He hasn't pitched. He's pitched more than 153 innings once, and that was, again, back in 2016. Since then, he's been a 150-inning guy. I don't know. It's a, it's a hard question to answer because um, is he going to be at 2019? 
Ada, or he's going to be 2020 Ada because he was sprinting last year and he was marathoning in 2019. So I'd probably end up having to go Giolito unless Plezak wasn't a ruse. Because didn't he have like a 234 ERA last year? Oh, he was super good last year. I don't think he's going to be that good again. No, <laughs> no, I don't think so either. But, but he was ridiculously good last year. And he's... I, I know he's adding stuff, and I know his uh, his curveball tunnels with his, his fastball a little bit better now. And yeah, but, he, but he walked six guys all of last year in 55 innings. I don't think that happens again. No, <laughs> no, no, I agree. That's a sub yeah, one um, per nine. So I think it'll be good. And the tunneling, I think, is super important for him. And I think if anybody can make the stretch from 55 innings to closer to 200, it's him just because of how athletic he is. And yeah, I mean, um, bloodlines. Yeah, I didn't realize Some, he hasn't. Maybe, I don't know. He's never pitched like that many innings in the minors. He's he's jumped between levels. I'm trying to add him real quick in my head. I guess the highest is like 140 in 2018 was in between high A and double A. So he's never pitched 144.2. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like a massive number of innings. Because even in 2019, he came up kind of late and he was 115. So. Um, yeah, he, he's so athletic anyway. I'm not really concerned about it. I, I just don't know if he'll make 200, but I didn't know where he went to college. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming he went to Vanderbilt because all pitchers go to Vanderbilt these days. <laughs> Especially if you're the son of or related to a major leaguer, you go. That's to what I was exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. Thank you, <laughs> if you're uh, Jack Leiter, and you go to. Uh, I mean, again, we're looking at a guy who threw 115 in 2019, 381 ERA. Um, you know, it was definitely. Uh, you know, deflated, I guess, by a lot of luck. With any, his strikeout rate jumping like it did. I have no reason I think it won't hold, right? I mean, strikeout rates going up are going up anyway, and I don't know. I think he could still keep his ERA around. What is basically what his career average is right now is his three thirty two. I think if, I think that's a very realistic number, just really if you look at his fielding independent pitching from last year as well, which was three thirty nine, which is again more than a run higher than his ERA. But I guess the answer would probably have to be Giolito. But I don't think it's going to be. So, huh, take that, everyone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. Um, Why do I say that? Uh, no good reason. I'm here to give you bad answers. The <laughs> <laughs> question mark. <laughs> All right, Merritt. Um, that's going to do, do it for us this week. Uh, if you haven't already, subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Um, even when we get the new name change, it's still the same feed. I'm just changing the name and the picture's over. But this is our, our last episode of Let's Talk Tribe. I think I'm going to keep the numbering. We've, we've earned that, Merritt. We don't need to drop. We're still 172 of whatever we're going to be in the next week. So, yeah. So, follow us on Twitter at Let's Go Tribe. Well, yeah, but by the time you listen to this, you can still follow us Let's Go Tribe. It'll be different um, tonight when you listen to this. But um, follow me, Matt, R-L-Y. Follow Merritt at Merrill Lunch. Like Merrill Lunch with lunch. And, uh, and for now, find us at letsgotribe.com. But um, after that, we will just keep uh, covering baseball at the corner of Carnegie and Ontario. So, Merritt, see you next week. I'll be there.